So Cassie walked away to do her business. I don't know what it was. Taxes or whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> so Danny and I were alone in the kitchen. And we were talking about Ellen. The, on the Ellen yes, show. on the Ellen show. Some of the Love is Blind people were on and they were playing Never Have I Ever. And the question was asked, would you use somebody else's toothbrush? Or have you used somebody else's oh, okay. toothbrush? And everybody but one person, Warren, said, I have used somebody else's toothbrush. Disgusting. And we were going off, Danny especially, <laughs> about how disgusting that is. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no, that's that's gross to do. Yeah. And then, oh, I forget the context of how exactly it came up. Basically, it, de- it devolved into a conversation about, like, it's like in Pretty Women, Pretty Late, Pretty Woman, Pretty Women. <laughs> it's like in Pretty Woman when Julia Roberts' character is like, no kissing. And at that point, when Danny was saying, no kissing, Cassie decides to walk in and goes, what are we talking about? And so I had to think quick. So I was like, I can't like Cassie know that we were talking about Ellen. She'll get jealous. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, Danny was just propositioning me for sex and said no kissing. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make this money. <laughs> uh, and before that, I was making... These are just called caramel Russians. Mm. <laughs> so, We're drinking cocktails uh, with milk. We are. <laughs> Oof, and their taste. They're, they're, they are they're really a dessert good. cocktail. So I'm pouring Kahlua into this glass. Oh. And then uh, I said, I said, oh, it has taken. Finally, I laughed maniacally because the bottle was finally empty. And went, oh my god, it's taken us ten years to drink this whole bottle of Kahlua. And Kiana goes, ten years ago, I was 13. And then I grabbed the bottle of vodka and drank straight from it. (laughs) She looked dead-eyed. Like, she didn't make eye contact with me. Just opened the bottle of vodka and drank straight. (laughs) Gulp, gulp, gulp. Oh, 2020, here we are. Sure is. <gasps> Wait a second. Are we what? halfway through April? No. This will come out the eight next week if we don't ball out for my twenty fourth <laughs> birthday. Okay. I, what's the, what's even the point? What's even the point? I want us to buy rights to music. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna buy rights? Because my money's all going to storing this. <laughs> You just got a bunch of money for me. Me and Danny are going to sleep together. No kissing. Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, so you're paying Danny. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Make that money, honey. But we're going to record it so it's not prostitution. <laughs> <laughs> we won't be, ar- won't be arrested. <laughs> That's hilarious. So this episode comes out the 8th. Oh, shit. So the 7th is Danny and I's 10-year anniversary. Aww. We'll have been, we, yeah, 10 years ago. We've been together 10 years and one day by the time this 10 years and one day when this bitch comes out. Aww. Aww. Heart hands. <laughs> and Sulema will already be 24. And Sulema will be 24 in one day. Mm-hmm. And next week... You turn 24 and people will like you again. Yeah. Because no, nobody. Nobody. Likes you when you're 23. That's a true story. <laughs> it's also Passover today. Oh, happy Passover to all of our... What did you say? Pass- Try again. <laughs> what did I say? Passover. <laughs> Have a happy our- Passover, Have everybody. a happy Passover. Or a blessed pas- Passover. What did... Lachaim. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is that Broad's Got Moxie. <laughs> This is that Broad's Got Moxie. I'm Jason Derulo. <laughs> Kiana Henry. <laughs> uh, I need one. DJ Khaled. <laughs> I'm Cassie. <laughs> and we're about to do another one. 
more money. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> what episode is this? 62? Oh, yes. that I get to go first. That's right. Precisely. We're drinking caramel Russians. We're getting into it. I think people can tell we're drinking caramel Russians. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like listening to the podcast. It's like, oh, yeah, we were... What were we drinking that day? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I remember now. <laughs> All right. Today, mm-hmm. I am going to talk about someone that I didn't know very much about. Matahari. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know much about her either, but I know the name. Yeah. and the... That's mostly what people know about her. Yeah. She was killed by the French? <laughs> she sure was. <laughs> okay. We're going to get there because I spoiled that last week. <laughs> yeah. I All just right. had to remind the people, you know, because I'm so giving. Your <laughs> B.A. No. My B. C.B. C.B. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Completely, Completely bamboozled. bamboozled. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> bamboozled. What? What a good word. <laughs> I'm pleased. Pleased as punch. I say that very often now. Thank you very much. You said it once. Me? Yeah, you. I don't remember. <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> but you said it I'm... once in recording, and now it's just my favorite thing to say. I've said it once. I'll say it again. This noodle's cooked. <laughs> I don't remember a lot. <laughs> it's limp. <laughs> sound like a bunch of drunk fools because we are well that's <laughs> surprise right kind of what it is <laughs> all right my what are these things called again sources so thank you every time it's so hard biography.com eyewitness to history.com uh, an article from all things interesting and goodnight stories for rebel girls two. Oh. oh mm-hmm. okay so here we go. Margarita Gertruda Zila was born August 7th, 1876 in Luarden, Netherlands. She's Dutch. Mm. She had three younger brothers and was the oldest of the four children of her parents, Adam and Anta. Her father owned a hat shop. Made mm. successful investments in the oil industry oh. and became rich enough to give Margarita a lavish childhood. A haberdasher and an oil tycoon? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all across the board this Yeah, guy. he's got lots, lots of hobbies. Unfortunately, just as she was becoming a precocious tween, her father went bankrupt. Oh. Number one. Her parents got divorced. Number two. And then her mother died in 1891. Oh, no. So just... Just down a peg. Every every single time. time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't good. It's just tragedy after tragedy. Mm -hmm. As if being a teenager isn't hard enough, her father then remarried, but Margarita was not having it. (laughs) It was like, everything is already fucked. I'm out of here. So she moved in with her godfather in a village called Sneak. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, is that how you say that? Sure enough, that's how you say it. Okay. While she was there, she went to school and studied to become a kindergarten teacher. But when the headmaster began to flirt with her, her offended godfather insisted she leave. Oh. Oh, it's not her fault. It's that's... not It's not her fault. No, but he was like, that's inappropriate. He's, he's, sh- he's a shitty man. You need yeah. to find something else. So so that's her childhood, her adolescence. This is her becoming a woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, not in the biblical term. <laughs> in the biblical <laughs> sense. <laughs> so one day, Margarita was reading the newspaper and stumbled on an advertisement. A Dutch colonial army captain, Rudolf MacLeod, was living in what was then the Dutch East Indies, mm. which is now Indonesia. Yeah. Colonialism, baby. (laughs) And he was in search of a wife. Oh. So, naturally, newspaper advertisement's the way to go. That's how... I mean, George Washington met Martha Washington. That's right. Because he would look through the obituaries. The obituaries! (laughs) 
He was like, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> find myself a lady. <laughs> um, okay, so she responded. She was like, why not? Let's see what happens. Yeah. <clears throat> Things moved very quickly, and the two were married July 11th of 1895. So she's not even 21 yet. She's 19 at the time. Rudolph was the son of Captain John Brennan McLeod. So he's a descendant of the McLeods of Skye, which mm-hmm. is a very prominent family from Scotland. Hence the last name. Okay, so that's his father. Mm-hmm. And his mother is Dinah Louisa, the Baroness Swirts de Landis. So a Baroness mm-hmm. and an army captain. Big money. Mm-hmm. High, high, cl- high class. Highfalutin folks. <laughs> Highfalutin. Uh, <laughs> isn't that fun? <laughs> Their marriage moved Margarita back into the bougie upper class, which she was totally stoked on. Get it, girl. Uh, the couple moved to Malang on the island of Java, oh. which is one of the islands of Indonesia, mm-hmm. and had two children, Norman John and Louise Jean. Can you just, like... I know this is a thing, but like a baby named Norman. No, I can't. I think about that all the time. Twenty four seven on the brain. A baby named Norman. <laughs> Can you imagine a baby? Like yeah. what do you call him? Norm? Can you imagine after hours of childbirth, babies coming out, sweet little cherub, and you're like, Oh my god, Norman. Baby Norman. Norman. Mm-hmm. That's not I'm really sorry for any listener named Norman, <laughs> but, you know, look into a name change. <laughs> Hopefully you're an adult and not a baby anymore. Or have a really cool last name. Oh, that's true. Or are really, or surround yourself with friends who are really into cheers, so every time you walk in the door, they go, Norm, because that's cool. <laughs> I'm glad we've discussed the qualifications of Norm's. Oh, I love Ethel or, or a Gladys as a baby. Gertrude, so cute. Gertie? Oh, my adorable. Ugh, I love it. If you put a Y or an IE on anything, then yeah, suddenly it's baby appropriate. Maybe Norm would be Normie. Normie. That's not cute. No, also, it sounds a little offensive. Yeah, Normie. Yeah. Take that out. I feel like this Oh, gosh. Where am I? Okay, Norman baby Norman. <laughs> okay. the uh, Their marriage was a real huge bummer, actually. Aww. Rudolph had a violent temper and was Aww. an abusive asshole. No. Go figure. So all of this is happening. Baby Norman did not survive for very long. Oh, I take back anything I said. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you... Um, oh, my God. That's why you don't see babies named Norman. <laughs> cursed where am i (laughs) jesus she's going through it she's got a terrible marriage as she tried to figure out what her next move would be she began studying the local traditions and joined a local dance company she chose her stage name which is the word for it's it's technically eye of the day Mm -hmm. aka the sun okay in the local malay language which is matahari in 1903, they had the couple had moved back to the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Okay. She was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. So her and Jean go to Paris. Things are not great. She doesn't really know what to do. She's living the life of a single mother. And in, the, then, <laughs> in the 1900s. In the 1900s, bad time. And then as they're like sharing... Uh, custody mm-hmm. of Jean Rudolph comes to pick her up and then just never brings her back. He just is like Take- snatched her up and took her home. And um, Matahari was like, "Uh, <laughs> well, I don't have any money to get a lawyer. I can't mm-hmm. fight this. She's gonna live a better life there anyway." Well, actually, what he did would be called that's kidnapping. called kidnapping. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, just straight kidnapping. Uh-huh. Okay, so. All of this, she's having a bad go of it. Yeah. She's lost a child. 
then her daughter was essentially kidnapped by her shitty ex-husband. Mm-hmm. He's like, fucking A, what am I going to do now? So what she did was she got a job at a circus oh. as a horse rider, and she used the name Lady McLeod, <laughs> much to the disapproval of her in-laws. <laughs> like, son of a bitch, why did you marry this woman? She's a menace. Also, you just kidnapped my child. I'll do what I want Ex- with this last name. <laughs> That's right. I'm living my life. The best I know how. Here um, we go. Live in La Vida Loca. <laughs> I wish I knew how to say that in Dutch. <laughs> okay. She's a circus horse rider. She's a struggling bohemian. Uh, so she's just taking whatever jobs she could. And then she posed as an artist's model to earn a living. A.K.A. in the buff. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. nudies. Nudies. That's right. <laughs> By 1904, Matahari began to win fame as an exotic dancer. Oh. Mm-hmm. Flirtatious, provocative, and sensual, Matahari captivated her audiences and was an overnight success. She became the longtime mistress of the millionaire lion industrialist. His name is Emil. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. That was like a huge build. I'm like, ooh, what's this guy's name? name? Emile. (laughs) He actually, he founded the Musée, which is a museum. Mm. Mm. Oh, just museums, full stop? Yeah. Like the concept of a museum? No, no. The, hold on. No. The Musée is a, it's a thing. I don't know. It's a museum. It's a, it's a, it's a big one. Okay. All right. Clearly, I copy and pasted that and then didn't Google it. So (laughs) thanks for calling me out. I'm really, really sorry. All right. Um, She became the mistress to this millionaire. Full stop. She posed as a Javanese princess. But she wasn't. She sure wasn't. She sure wasn't. (laughs) Not even a little bit. So she's like, oh, yeah, I'm a Javanese princess. I'm, uh, she's like, I'm also like, Hindu, which... (laughs) No, you weren't. (laughs) No, not even a little bit. She pretended to have been immersed in the art of sacred Indian dance since childhood. The caucasity behind this. (laughs) (laughs) The caucasity. Truly. Just cultural appropriation on top of cultural appropriation. (laughs) Also, she's mixing genres. She's like, oh, I'm Hindu, but I'm also a Javanese princess and I've studied the art of Indian dance. She's all over the place. She doesn't know which way is up. I mean, she was probably just like, it's all brown. That's exactly what it was. (laughs) Also, she has really dark, like, black hair. Mm -hmm. Like, black-blue hair. Mm -hmm. And so... People were like, oh, oh, she's mysterious. People were um, stupid. Very. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. She was photographed numerous times during her exotic dance period, Mm -hmm. either nude or practically nude. Mm -hmm. So get it. I love it. Uh. <laughs> Matahari brought a carefree style to the stage, and everyone loved her striptease. She would peel the layers off until she wore just a bejeweled breastplate and something to cover her little lady bits. Mm-hmm. She was never seen bare-breasted, though, like during her during her dance, which is much less. It's much less on the pole mm-hmm. <laughs> and much more like burlesque. fans and feathers and burlesque-esque. Yeah. Burlesque-esque. <laughs> <laughs> Pre- predating per- burlesque. Yes. Oh yeah. So she was, she was very rarely, if ever seen bare-breasted on stage because she was self-conscious about her small boobs. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, shake them if you got them, honey. Yeah. And if you don't, Shake them. Shake them too. <laughs> exactly. You get it, girl. Although Matahari's claims about her origins were fictitious, mm-hmm. obviously, she was very, very popular. She spent her free time partying with the bourgeoisie and living the high life. Of which, my this was like, she's earning her money. Mm-hmm. So, just putting that out there. One enthusiastic French journalist wrote that Matahari was, quote, so feline, extremely feminine, majestically tragic. 
the thousand curves and movements of her body trembling in a thousand rhythms. Ew. (laughs) She's quivering. Truly. I have a question that you won't be able to answer, but I just want to ask it. Okay. Why do people think felines are sexy? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) But, like... I just, because that's come up quite a bit in, like, yeah. the women we cover. Like, oh, they're absolutely. like, oh, they're very feline uh-huh. and, like, sexy. Yeah. Like, yeah look, but, I know, it, but it's, but why are you going to look at a cat and be like, I want a human to mimic that because that will really get me going. <laughs> that's true. That's the only answer. I think overall, there's... <laughs> Cats have a hell of a lot more sex appeal than a dog does, I suppose. <laughs> it's very, it's slow. Slow and sensuous. And, yes. But, like, use those terms and don't, like, admit that you want... <laughs> Stop. Stop right there. I don't want you to go any further. I have two cats that I love very much. And but you wouldn't be like, oh, you wouldn't see Iggy walking down the hallway and be, be like, like, ooh, that's very feline and sensuous. <laughs> like, you know... <laughs> look i don't know i don't have answers for you that's always been just a little bit there in my brain of like why (laughs) it's it's our it's our like lizard brains right it's like our lizard brains our animal instincts that are like that are like that is more attractive than that like some derpy dog derp 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 i need the dog slander to stop <laughs> i did not i did not open Hecata this conversation will be very upset sorry yeah how okay. would have your ass for this <laughs> for this slander the slander of dogs i just want to know why people want to fuck cats stop it <laughs> get out of my house i'm sorry uh. We're going to have to start recording you from outside the window again. <laughs> Skype in. Uh-huh. Hello. Why does everybody want to fuck cats? <laughs> I'm outside at the window. <laughs> I'm moving on now. Where am I? Feline. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Jesus. Madhari's career went into a decline after mm. 1912. She started acting like a dog. <laughs> Not feline-like anymore. <laughs> no, actually, it said that she started to put on weight. And I was like, fuck oh my God. you guys. Yeah. Also, a lot of things were going on. Like World War One, Things oh. were getting rough. And she was like, maybe I should do some other things. Which she did. On March 13th, 1915, she performed in what would be the last show of her career. That's today. Holy shit, it is today. <laughs> when we're recording, it's March 13th. When, yeah. <laughs> it's the anniversary oh, wow. of it. Yeah, 105 years. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Gosh. She began her career relatively late for a dancer. And again, like I said, she'd birthed two children. So she was like, you know what? Let's go see what other career options I have. So she became a successful courtesan. Oh. Mm. Because sex work is work. Mm-hmm. And you do whatever you fucking want to. Exactly. The oldest profession. So she was known for her sensuality and eroticism. Uh, she had relationships with high-ranking military officers, mm. politicians, and others in inf- influential positions that took her across many international borders. Get it, girl. Get it, girl. She's traveling. She's got lots of nice stuff. Mm-hmm. She's being escorted to all these nice places. Why not? Fucking do what you need to do, girl. Prior to World War One, she was generally viewed as an artist and just a free-spirited bohemian. Mm-hmm. But as the war approached, she began to be seen by some as a wanton and promiscuous woman. And perhaps a dangerous seductress. Oh, get over it. <laughs> right? It's like, ugh, of course. Yeah. So, World War One has started. The Netherlands, throughout World War One remained neutral. Okay? Matahari was in an intense romantic relationship. This is where things get a little fuzzy. Let me, let me just interject here. 
I did this research mm-hmm. online and there were like multiple like, oh, this was what happened, but this is what happened. Also, I listened to a podcast. And they were like, these two things kind of melded into the same story. Okay. So I'm going to tell it like they did on the podcast. What podcast? It's called Based on a True Story. So it's a very good podcast. Okay. So here's what I wrote down and then I'll kind of break it down. Okay. Netherlands were neutral. Matahari was in an intense romantic relationship with a young Russian pilot fighting for the French army. He was shot down, lost sight in both eyes, and was laid up in a hospital near the front. Just that little blurb mm-hmm. is where these two things, where two stories have kind of come together. Okay. She was in a relationship at one point mm-hmm. with a young Russian man who was on the front lines. Okay. Okay. She also had a relationship during, after, before, mm-hmm. sometime, with a soldier who had lost sight lost sight in both of his eyes because he was shot down in a plane crash. So these two things kind of melded together, mm-hmm. but they're probably separate people. Okay. Okay. So that's neither here nor there. But as a subject of a neutral country, Matahari was not you wouldn't usually be able to go to the front lines. Mm-hmm. So what happened was agents from the Duim Bureau, I think that's how you say that, Duim, told her that she would only be able to go to the front lines to see her lover mm-hmm. if she agreed to spy for France. Oh. oh. Exactly. Here's where things get murky. Oh. I'll say that. So, she was like, okay, that sounds great. The plan was for her to seduce the crown prince. Okay. Casual. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So the Germans had taken over Belgium at this point. Mm -hmm. That's who she's supposed to go make him swoon. Mm -hmm. Give her all the secrets. It's the crown prince of Belgium. So she's supposed to go in, seduce him, and bring back information about German plans. About whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the crown prince had next to zero fucking experience, didn't really know anything. Oh. <laughs> so she didn't have any good intel to take back to France. Mm-hmm. In late 1916, she traveled to Madrid, where she met with a German military attache, Major Arnold Call. And asked if he could arrange a meeting with the crown prince. So, this is the plan. Went to Madrid, trying to get this all worked out. He's got nothing. Mm-hmm. Matahari apparently offered to share French secrets with Germany in exchange for money. <laughs> so, she's essentially a double agent. Yeah. All right. She's working for France mm-hmm. to spy on Germany. Mm-hmm. She's in Germany. Yeah. Trying to do her job for the French. Instead, convinces the Germans to not only give her money, mm-hmm. but also get her in contact with the crown prince so she can do French's job. <laughs> it's all very confusing. <laughs> Spy shit and espionage makes my brain hurt. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Or is that something a spy would say? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... All of this is a little hazy, a little murky, because we don't know if she essentially was trying to extort Germany to get money to continue living her lavish lifestyle, or if she was, in fact, trying to get to the crown prince to do Mm -hmm. her job. All of this, like I said. In January of 1970, Major Call transmitted radio messages to Berlin Describing the helpful activities of a German spy, codename H-21. So, H-21's biography so closely matched (laughs) Matahari's that her identity was so fucking obvious, right? (laughs) So, they're... I don't know what they're doing. Probably not Morse code. She's 
She's a white lady, but she says she's a Japanese princess. Exactly. She has black hair. She's and... got small boobs. She takes her clothes off for money. <laughs> All of these things. And she they're dances. like, that sounds an awful lot like Matahari. <laughs> ding, ding. You're a winner. So the French Bureau intercepted the messages, which, by the way, were in a code that the German, this is all confusing, the Germans knew Mm-hmm. That the French had already decoded this fucking code. So they just sort of threw her out they there. They 100% were like, the French are already intercepting these messages. Mm-hmm. So now they also are like, oh, that sounds like Matahari. Mm-hmm. So now everybody knows it's Matahari. Did they do it on purpose? Like, were they like, let's out her for the. Yeah. 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 Because they were... Okay, keep going. You keep going. <laughs> Basically. Um, I will right. stop speculating. This German code had already been broken by the French. Coincidence? I think not. Mm-hmm. It seems someone framed Matahari. Yep. Okay. Yes. That's exactly what happened. She had given the Germans gossip and, like, scandals, mm-hmm. but no actual intelligence. Mm-hmm. She'd duped them. <laughs> she took their money... She duped them by basically reiterating a bunch of newspaper headlines yeah. about scandals happening in France. <laughs> she asked for the money and then was like, I hear the king's a bit of a slut. Exactly. <laughs> and the Germans were like, what the fuck? Exactly. So they're pissed off. Okay. But also the French are pissed off because there's a secret super spy Mm -hmm. called H21 who sounds an awful lot like Matahari (laughs) in Germany. And they're talking about her to each other. Suspicious. Suspicious. Good job. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) On February 13th, 1917, Matahari was arrested in her hotel room in Paris while she was trying to fucking eat her breakfast. Oh, my God. Yeah. She was put on trial in July, accused of being a double crosser and spying for Germany. Although the French and British intelligence suspected her of spying for Germany, neither could provide definitive evidence against her. This is a quote from her during her trial. A harlot? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But a traitorous? Never. And I was like, yes, queen. <laughs> uh, I'm a hoe, but I'm loyal. That's right. <laughs> I love that. A harlot? So good. Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. A traitorous? Never. Mm-hmm. A French captain interrogated her and would later prosecute her at trial. He uncovered the truth of her past, a.k.a. she's Dutch <laughs> and not a Japanese princess. <laughs> What a deep dig I'm sure he had to do. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She speaks Dutch. It's not that fucking hard. Okay. Also, uh, so basically he was like, ha, I know who you really are. Mm-hmm. She was like, duh. That was yeah. like my persona, idiot. Yeah. But he used all of this incredible uncovering as facts to show that she was dubious and a liar. Oh, come Fuck on. Fuck it. Right? Like, way to fucking... But- it was right there that you just chose the easiest way to be like, see, she's a liar. She even said she was. Yeah, but like, even like just to be like, oh yeah, I made up a stage persona because I'm an artist. Like, I did this thing in in comparison to like, I've betrayed a country <laughs> treasonous. Exactly. Like, that's not the same type of lying. No. It's a reach. Sure is. You're doing <laughs> Yeah. You're doing yoga there. Mm. You're doing some real stretching. <laughs> <laughs> so at trial, Matahari admitted that she had accepted twenty thousand francs from a German diplomat to spy on France. But again, this is where she was like, I gave them Nothing. I gave mm-hmm. them trivial shit that you could read in a magazine. It's fine. But France was losing this fight and needed someone to blame. Yeah. That's the whole reason. Matahari was described as, quote, an independent woman 
a divorcee, a citizen of a neutral country, a courtesan, and a dancer, which made her a perfect scapegoat for the French, who were losing the war. She was kind of held up as an example of what might happen if your morals were too loose. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We prefer war. Exactly. Yeah. She's they're real assholes also said without scruples accustomed to making use of men she's the type of woman who is born to be a spy yeah maybe she is (laughs) fuck you (laughs) hey don't like this guy no i don't like him either she could not defend herself against an entire military calling her deceptive and a traitor the most terrible and heartbreaking moment during the trial occurred when her lover embittered and maybe blind maybe not blind declined to testify for her saying he did not care if she was convicted or not oh coward asshole yeah mm -hmm. all of the above yeah madhari was found guilty and sentenced to death she was only 41 just before dawn on october 15th 1917 she was escorted from her holding cell to a platform on a hillside. She wore, quote, a neat Amazonian tailored suit, especially made for the occasion, and a pair of new white gloves, unquote. Her hands were not bound, and she refused a blindfold. So she goes up onto this platform, and she's looking these motherfuckers directly in the eyes. Yeah. She defiantly blew a kiss to the firing squad. (laughs) And then Matahari was executed by a firing squad of 12 men. Mm. Which, overkill. Yeah. Well, not all of them are. I I don't know about back in the day, but some of them are loaded with blanks. So they pass out the guns. That's right. That's right. So nobody knows who killed her. her. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know know if they did that back in the day, though. They probably did. You sure? I don't know. (laughs) All these men just fought in a war. You think they're above... That's true. No, especially because they think she's a traitor. They think she's spied against her own country. They think they harmed their comrades. Mm -hmm. (sighs) I fucking love that she was like, bye! (laughs) Crispy white gloves. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Madhari's body was not claimed by any family members and was accordingly, because of that, used for medical study. Her head was embalmed and kept in the Museum of Anatomy in Paris. However, in 2000, archivists discovered that it had disappeared. Why do people steal skulls and heads? I don't know. They think it might have happened as early as 1954. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. And it remains missing to this day. Oh my god! How yeah. do you? <laughs> how do you lose head? But people like museums and places—they always lose remains, and it's just like what? Yeah, I—I I don't know. I guess you don't. <laughs> I guess you're not like keeping. It. They're not going to go anywhere unless somebody <laughs> takes them. Well, here's like, what happened. So the museum was relocated mm-hmm. in oh. 1954. Yeah, and so nobody knows if it was taken or Mm -hmm. they misplaced a box i don't know i don't know where you keep heads but anyway (laughs) the freeze museum in luarden netherlands contains a matahari room included in the exhibit are two of her personal scrapbooks and an oriental rug embroidered with the footsteps of her fan dance oh which i thought was really lovely i think that would be great to see The idea of an exotic dancer working as a lethal double agent, using her powers of seduction to extract military secrets from her lovers, made Matahari an enduring archetype of the femme fatale. Her uh, Her life story has inspired at least five stage musicals, a Hollywood film starring Greta Garbo, Mm -hmm. a ballet, and an opera. She also features in the TV series The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles in an episode written by Carrie Fisher. Aw. Mm-hmm. And then I just this was just a quote from her. It's real short. But she said, The dance is a poem 
of which each movement is a word. Oh, that's and nice. I just like that a lot. That is, that is Matahari. I had no idea about the whole espionage thing. Yeah, neither did I. I only knew she was an exotic dancer, but <sighs> badass. She is. It was her life was just like tragic thing after tragic thing after shitty husband. You know, like mm-hmm. it was just a bad time. And when she finally was like, I'm done. I'm starting over. I'm mm-hmm. doing whatever the fuck I want. She lived a really, like, wild, exciting life. Yeah. That would be so cool. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good job. That's that. Thank you. Who are you doing this week? So, this was a re- when I pitched this to Danny... Oh, because it's a pitch. Okay. <laughs> I said the Cop Sisters. C, sorry, K O P P. But as I did the research more, it's Constant Cop and her sisters. Because <laughs> it's mostly Constant. Oh, okay. This is what I'm trying to say. So, <laughs> my source- Marie Antoinette <laughs> and her little sister. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to save my sources for the end, I think. Okay. So I think it'll just be like a fun. Oh, okay. A fun little, oh, I love little it. reveal, maybe. If you don't know who Constance Cop is. I don't. I don't think I do. Okay. So Constance Cop was the eldest of three sisters. Mm-hmm. But for a little while, it's just going to be two. Okay. So the eldest was born in Brooklyn in 1878. Okay. Norma Cop was the middle sister and was born four years later in 1882. They both spoke French and two dialects of German. Mm. Their father wasn't much in the picture um, because he was an alcoholic. So Constance, who was known to be a strong, independent-minded woman, mm-hmm. sort of became the de facto head of household. Okay. Constance was headstrong and had ambitions not typical for women at the time. And on two separate separate occasions, she attempted to study law and medicine. But her mother prevented her from following through with either endeavor. Just sort of like, don't do that. Well, Constance, uh-huh. she had a lot of energy. She couldn't quite. Her mom was like, no, you don't study this. Don't study this. Uh-huh. But Constance wanted more. Standing at a good six feet tall, maybe Ooh, a little taller, okay. and weighing 180 pounds. Yes. She had, like I said, a lot of energy she couldn't contain. When she was 19, she had an affair with a Singer sewing machine salesman. Oh. Scandal, okay. <laughs> uh, and the exact details of the affair... Not really well known, but it was considered especially scandalous because of two things. One, the man she had an affair with was Jewish. And mm. in the time, unfortunately, like many times in history and also the present, mm-hmm. Jewish <laughs> <laughs> Jewish people were discriminated against. And so this added to the level of scandal that the yep. affair was. Two, the salacious affair left Constance pregnant. <gasps> No. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. To avoid gossip, the mm-hmm. family moved. Oh, did I say they were born in Brooklyn? Yes. They were in Brooklyn. Moved away from Brooklyn mm-hmm. to Wyckoff, New Jersey. Okay. New Jersey. <laughs> no. Stop it. New Jersey. <laughs> That's not how they talk at all. Jersey, baby. No. <laughs> T-shirt time. Joysy. New Jersey. New Jersey. We're on the Jersey shore. That was weirdly Canadian. That <laughs> it was weirdly something. Anyways, she was pregnant and she left to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And it was at this time that Florette was born. Oh, Florette, the new cop sister. Mm-hmm. That's right, sister. Was said to have been Constance's mother's daughter. <laughs> However, through consensus, through consensus, through census records. And birth certificates and a hired genealogy specialist. We we know that Florette oh. was Constance's daughter of that whole affair, and not actually her sister. I got you. Same page. I was like, I was I was really confused <laughs> for a second. So, yeah. So the family claimed that they had adopted a a yes child of the family. Into mm-hmm. their home as a sister. As a sister, but it's actually Constance's daughter. Yes. Gotcha. And it was, they did this in order to keep their reputation uh-huh. intact. Because, you know, it's not. You got really- a half Jewish baby running around. Yeah, exactly. You got to keep that on the DL. 
Yeah. Out of wedlock is specifically. Out of wedlock? Holy hell. <laughs> Out of wedlock is like the big one. <laughs> <laughs> so the three sisters lived their lives uh-huh. in New Jersey. <laughs> no one questioned Florette's parentage and Constance was allowed the freedom to live her life. Mm. And the farm they lived at in New Jersey was fairly isolated and a bit of a ride away from the main town, which is Patterson. One lovely morning, shortly after 8 o'clock in July 1914, the sisters, Constance 35, Norma 31, Florette 16. Woof! <laughs> That's a big age gap between those sisters. What a surprise, baby. <laughs> they drove their buggy into Patterson, stopped at... This is a quote. The corner of Carroll Street and Hamilton Avenue for light refreshments. Oh, I love a light refreshment. <laughs> yes. Don't mind if I do. Well, it wasn't even a minute later when their buggy was struck by an automobile. <gasps> the shaft of the buggy broken mm-hmm. as a result. What should have been a simply resolved traffic accident mm-hmm. turned into some bullshit. Because the owner of the vehicle was a notorious silk factory magnate named Henry Kaufman. He was a bitch. <laughs> All these harlots and bitches. Right. Exactly. Except Matahari. She's a good harlot. I'm still a harlot. Yeah. Fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Constance, after the accident, uh-huh. completely reasonable. I was like, hey, rich guy who hit my buggy, pay for the damages, please. Mm-hmm. And he was like. Fuck no. I'm not going to do that. Ugh. Okay. And he may have... Some sources say he was drunk when he hit the buggy. So he was like also like extra belligerent. Uh-huh. Anyways. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the idea of a... First of all, a turn-of-the-century automobile <laughs> with a drunk man behind the wheel hitting a buggy. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's a little funny. <laughs> It's just not something you think about. (laughs) What's that? A horse and a fucking buggy? (laughs) They're going 10 miles an hour. (laughs) It was real low speed. That's why just the shaft was broken and not the whole thing. (laughs) Okay. So he refused to pay. Mm -hmm. Constance, not one to back down, when when she was right, was like, I'm going to file a lawsuit because I think I (laughs) think I deserve some money. Yes. And the courts awarded her $50. Oh, good for her. Which is, I put put a line, mm-hmm. which is blank in today's money. <laughs> I'm going to say 3000 <laughs> Let me Let me see. That's my guess is 3000 The initial year, 1914. This year, 2020. It only allows me to do 2019. $50. $1,292.83. I overshot it. Okay. I'm really sorry. All right. So they gave her 1200 bucks. Yeah. For a new shaft. And like, that seems yeah. fair. You broke my shaft. Pay up. So he was ordered to pay this money. And Henry, mm-hmm. which shame to the name. Because my last name's Henry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Shame. Shame of that name. <laughs> Why? Anyway, Henry was like, me? Mm-hmm. Held accountable for something? I think not. Mm-hmm. So he began threatening the sisters. Because he was a rich dude, so he had a lot of, essentially just like a gang of people. Yeah. He's got a posse to do his bidding. Exactly. Constance wasn't scared, though. Henry- no, she fucking wasn't. <laughs> Henry himself, like when they met each other, uh-huh. Constance towered over him (laughs) and she did not give one fuck about this little man (laughs) at one point he had constance attacked on the streets and undeterred constance was just like i'm gonna tell on you (laughs) and then the person who attacked her was arrested good good for good henry then just started to regularly harass and threaten the family instead of paying the 50 dollars you're a factory man, you can't afford $50 to pay right? for a drunk driving accident that you caused. Come on. Come on. So Do like, better. Yes. And he, so he's threatening the family. Mm-hmm. And one of the blackmail letters that the sisters received claimed that if they didn't bring $1,000 to a specific location 
at night, Florette would be kidnapped. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just pay the $50 and fucking move on, bro. Exactly. Like, what What are you gaining from this? <laughs> right? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. He's bored is what he is. Or he's just a massive douchebag. <laughs> One night in the in the sister's farmhouse, rocks were thrown through the windows. And Constance mm-hmm. was like, nah, fuck this shit. I'm going to the police again. <laughs> she had a hard time at first mm-hmm. finding any policeman who would try to prosecute. Or oh, such a wealthy man. Yeah. He yeah. had many police on his payroll. Uh, oh. So obviously they weren't going to help her out. Mm-hmm. But then she finally got in touch with a guy who was like, I don't give a fuck about this Henry yeah. Henry fella. And his name was Sheriff Heath. Sheriff Heath. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. He couldn't really do much on his own in this situation, but he was a card-carrying member of the NRA. <laughs> and loving guns, he gave the sisters three revolvers. One for each of them. <laughs> Remember that kidnapping threat? Uh-huh. Well... Constance was more than willing to take the risk and went to the meeting point. Uh-huh. Did she have the cash? No, but she had a gun in her purse. Yes, yeah, she did. <laughs> she waited for over an hour, but no one showed up. <laughs> and that's lucky for them. It was because they drove up and went, that's a huge bitch. And then <laughs> they were like, I'm out. I'm done. Nuh-uh. Probably. <laughs> the press picked up on the story. Uh-huh. Loved it. <laughs> Of course they did. One wrote a story with the headline stating, Oh, for a chance to shoot the nasty prowlers, the Mrs. Cop maintaining siege in home would just love to turn guns on blackmailers. (laughs) (laughs) And then another newspaper ran an illustration, and it's Uh the three sisters, and they like are dressed for like what ladies wear in the day, holding Uh a purse and then pointing a gun. Amazing. All in a line. So good. So, they they have some notoriety. Notori- notoriety. Notoriety. <laughs> they have some notoriety. Oh, I did there it. you go. <laughs> they're legit. They're legit. <laughs> Too legit to quit. To quit. Exactly. <laughs> they're living their lives. But then eventually, another letter arrives. Uh-oh. And it's from a man named George Ewing. He wrote the sisters saying that he knew of a plot where... They planned to abduct Florette and asked for a meeting with the sisters to just like be like, hey, I'm going to tell you all about this. Mm -hmm. Suspicious of the letters, but again, afraid of nothing. Constance went to the meeting point to hear what he had to say. Okay. Well, she was right to be suspicious. (laughs) George was not the helpful man he seemed to be. And he was actually one of Kaufman's men, Mm -hmm. one of Henry's men. According to one article, Constance, so, she gets there. He grabs her from behind. That's never a good idea. One article says that she, like, physically shook him off. Uh Uh-huh. Which made him run. Another one was that she was fighting him (laughs) long enough for the police to come and, like, assist her because she had, she always had, Uh she's got the gang behind She's her. packing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What actually happened, we'll, we'll never know. But what we do know is that there was some kerfuffle. Kerfuffle? Ooh! <laughs> Bamboozled kerfuffle? <laughs> I think we should just install one of these new fun words every episode. <laughs> I'm okay with it. <laughs> George fled after he attacked uh-huh. her. And then the sheriff and his deputies chased him down and caught him. Oh, for Pete's sake. Using a brand new science, handwriting analysis. Oh. They matched the letters, all the threatening letters, Uh to George and Henry. Oh. Because now they had something to go on. Interesting. And so the two were convicted of abusing the males. (laughs) That's in quotes. Okay. With their threats. So they were thrown in jail. Good. Although the revolvers were given to the sisters to fight these men, mm-hmm. they were they never saw any action. Boo! But they did come in handy for, if nothing else, empowerment. <laughs> empowerment 
fun illustration in the newspaper. Exactly. They're props. Have, They're, do you everyone want, loves an accessory. This is not in my notes. Mm-hmm. Just Have you ever watched BoJack Horseman? Mm-hmm. Have you finished BoJack Horseman? No, I've only watched like a couple episodes here or there. Wow, BoJack Horseman is so good. But there's an episode where there's like a women in, women's empowerment movement uh-huh. where they all get guns. Okay. <laughs> and then by the end of the episode, guns are banned. Uh-huh. And like one of the like snarky comments that Diane had was like, well, <laughs> they hate women more than they love guns. <laughs> and that's why they got rid of it. Maybe we should give it a try. Maybe. Every mm-hmm. woman, pack a gun. But don't. Don't. Because <laughs> guns are bad. They're scary. Yeah. I don't like them. Uh, but if you feel empowered, use them wisely. Be yeah. safe. That's all. Safety. and um, Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. And shoot targets, not people. Oh, very good. I did it. <laughs> Look at you. I solved gun violence. <laughs> We have the answer. It's 42. You're welcome. <laughs> also, really sorry. Out of habit, I cracked my knuckles and that probably got picked up on the mic. <laughs> That's okay. This one's... So- Every time I go to take a drink, she keeps pushing me away from the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so the earlier when I... Mm-mm. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> you can't keep me down. <laughs> She'll get a fucking gun. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine if we had a gun in this room? It would be going off every two seconds because of some shenanigans. Danny would be pissed. She'd be like, it's ruining the levels, you guys. (laughs) Exactly. It's ruining the levels. You're putting holes in the wall. (laughs) It's true, though. With the amount of times we go, pew, pew, pew. (laughs) Just do stupid shit. We could not be gun owners. Nope. Most people should be not be gun owners. <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> empowerment. Uh, okay. In prison. After Constance's help in the case against Henry, Sheriff Heath appointed her under sheriff. Yes. <laughs> making her the first woman ever to receive such a distinction. Really? Yes. Wow. And so again, they were in, she was in the papers. Uh-huh. And among headlines she inspired were, this was one of them, plucky girl sheriff. (laughs) I love girl sheriff. (laughs) And then another one was silk manufacturer fined for fracas with woman. Oh, fracas. (laughs) Oh, gosh, this is this is so good. I like it. I love it. This is great. According to a 1916 article in the New York Times, Constance received a gold-plated badge and a gold-plated pair of handcuffs, which she apparently carried in her handbag. But don't, <laughs> but don't get too excited because it was probably just like a embellishment mm-hmm. of the time because it's really unlikely that they police... Gold-plated yeah. fucking pair of handcuffs. Exactly. She but I tell have... you what, if I'm going to have a pair of handcuffs, they're going to be gold-plated. <laughs> for sure. I like fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if police officers were just like, okay, pulled out and it's like red fur lining the handcuffs? <laughs> Cops would be a very different show. <laughs> Let's go, princess. <laughs> You're going to the big house. <laughs> Your ass is grass. <laughs> Reading the Miranda rights. You have the remain. <laughs> you have the remain to silent. Everything you can say will and be used against you. <laughs> you can get an attorney. If you do not have an attorney, one will be appointed to you. Do you get it? <laughs> Jesus. All right. (laughs) So, I'm going to wrap this bitch up. Mm -hmm. Constance remained vocal about her capabilities as an enforcer and for other women as well, stating, quote, Some women prefer to stay at home and take care of the house. Let them. There are plenty who like that kind of work to do it. Others want something to do that will take them out among people and affairs. 
A woman should have a right to do any sort of work she wants to, provided she can do it. Oh. Which is like, yes. Yeah. Done and done. Women's rights. There we go. (laughs) If you can do it, do it. Done deal. We solved women's rights. We solved gun rights. (laughs) We're doing it all tonight. We are. People should just listen to us. (laughs) So, not... Much is confirmed about the sisters' later life, Mm -hmm. but one thing was, at Constance's funeral, Florette found out that they weren't sisters, (gasps) but mother and daughter. This led Florette to seek out her father, Mm -hmm. and they did remain in contact for the rest of their lives. Oh, wow. Pretty happy ending. Constance and her sisters' legacies live on. So... I focused mostly on Constance. The sisters were, like, there a lot of the time when shit was, like, rocks were being thrown through the window. Mm -hmm. They all were busting out their guns. Yeah, they experienced all of this as well. Mm -hmm. But Constance just being the oldest and, like, the head of household, Uh essentially, she was the one who Taking care of business. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Taking care of business. Constance and her sister's legacy lives on in a historical fiction novel called Girl Waits with Gun by Amy Stewart. Okay. So, in all of the articles I read, everybody referred to Amy Stewart because she's, like, the end-all of knowledge on Constance Cobb. Much like I am on Marie Antoinette. Exactly. Uh, okay. <laughs> exactly. But except she's good at her job. Oh! <laughs> oh! Okay! Shots fired! I'm Please hold! I need, boom, to, boom. I need to get my fucking fuzzy handcuffs. <laughs> you have the remote. <laughs> I have the remain to write silence. <laughs> we can't talk tonight. Oh my God. How did we make it through this? Shut your mouth. <gasps> Danny dragged us. <laughs> okay. So it's a historical fiction novel. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a biography. But Stuart cho- chose to fictionalize our lives for a reset. For- <laughs> Good thing you couldn't hear that. So it's a historical fiction novel. Stuart chose to fictionalize their lives for a variety of reasons, one of which was that the information available about Constance is scarce. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of, like, hole filling yeah. that needs to be done. And that's why it's historical. Don't talk about hole filling. <laughs> I saw your face and was like, we're going to go it past Tightened it. up like a cat's ass and then I couldn't. I was... Your hole? No! <laughs> I was trying not to laugh like a child. (laughs) I should have said, wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) I'm really sorry. Uh, There's also a drunk history episode about this. Really? Yeah. It's very funny. Some of they don't touch on the fact that Florette is her sister, not her daughter, not her sister. Okay. But you know. It was a lot of fun. That's actually why, where I heard of it. Oh, really? Okay. So I was, I was just, I was going to ask once you were done, I was going to be like, where did you even stumble on this? A drunk history. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> um, so that was my, that's what made me look into them. But okay. my actual sources that I'm using are America's first female sheriff got her job after a man tried to screw her over. <laughs> that's a really long title. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, by... Ilana Massad, mm-hmm. another article called Constance Cup, Determined Heroine Turned Law Enforcer Officer by Winnie Griggs, Ooh. and another article called The Real Life Cop Sisters. No author. Nice. Yeah. That's amazing. What a good story. Couple things. Okay. 50 fucking dollars, bro. <laughs> Pay it and move on with your life. He's just bored, honestly. Yeah. And it's not even is. that he didn't have it to spare. No, it's, he had it. He had... And then some. He just wanted to be an asshole. Yeah. Well, he also didn't want to be bossed around by women. By a bunch of girls. But also, what a bitch. (laughs) Don't know if he was a harlot, but definitely a bitch. Yeah. Definitely a bitch. Don't. Yeah. You said it. I don't know why I repeated it. (laughs) This is what we do. What a good episode. Mm -hmm. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and... Pop on over to wherever you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Rate, review, and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Give us those five stars. Mm-hmm. We would very much appreciate that. 
Also, you can go ahead and follow us on our social media accounts. We are at that broad's got Moxie on Instagram and twi- on Instagram and Facebook, and on Twitter we are at broad's got Moxie. That's right. If you have any comments, questions, <laughs> concerns for our inability to say words, <laughs> <laughs> if you're or- really pissed, we got the Miranda rights wrong. <laughs> Look, we're doing our best. Or if you have any suggestions for stories, uh, mm-hmm. go ahead and email us. We are at thatbroadsgutmoxie at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. That's all we got for you this week. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.